I'm going to tell the developers you said that, and I'm sure they're feeling. Go ahead. Hurt. Tell them I said to come up with a cuter name next time. Hello and welcome to the Downloadable Concept Podcast. With me today is the old dirty Aussie, Fox Lee. Fox in box. Fox eight socks. Fox rocks cocks. <laughs> and presenting the ghost face writer, Talon Lee. I'm way too white for that. And I'm Inspector Wrench, Jeb Wrench. <laughs> <laughs> so hey Jeb, what you been playing? I have been hunting monsters. <laughs> Yeah, so have I, but what about video games, Jeb? <laughs> Coincidentally, I've been playing Monster Hunter 4 Unlimited, uh, and uh, it's pretty much everything I thought it was going to be. You go around killing giant monsters and then make stuff from their bits that you tear off them. Am I correct in remembering that this video game lets you put a hat on your cat? Uh, this video game let me dress my cat up as Luigi and give it a big fuck-off hammer. <laughs> Again, the key to good game design is giant fuck-off hammers. Anyone anyone listening, if you're making a video game, consider seriously the big fuck-off hammer. It made Halo cool. I was going to ask if the cat was anthropomorphic, because if it's not, then dressing it up is the wrongest thing ever. Uh, they are definitely bipedal. Okay. And they talk, so. That's all right, then. Also, mine is pink. <laughs> that can definitely wear clothes. So this is basically like having puss in boots from Shrek. <laughs> yes, as your as your traveling companion. Alright. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm into that. Also also with just about as many uh the, the game as a whole has just about as many dirty jokes as Shrek, so You remember Bloody Bee Honey, right? No. Nope. I woke up this morning and found Andy McClure tweeting, uh, you should definitely be reading Bloody Bee Honey's Twitter feed right now for some notes about being a good ally. I'm like, Oh, this is really interesting. I mean, Bloody Bee Honey's really smart. Click on it, open it up, it says all right, look, if an ally puts a monster to sleep, you need to stop attacking it right yes. then and there. Because what you want to do is you want the attack that wakes the monster up to be a bomb. Because that way everyone can coordinate and do as much damage as possible. Like, what the hell? <laughs> and you have to, and you make sure that you eat the right combinations so that your bombs do more damage. <laughs> so, is it true that Monster Hunter is about a bajillion times better with friends? Absolutely. I've been uh, playing it with Allison 1L. And, uh, it's much, it's easier for starters, and you, well, I guess like anything else, it's just more fun to do cool things with friends. Uh, the, the way that you interact is fairly limited in-game, so you just kinda, if you, unless you're talking over Skype or something, then you just have to interact with a series of emotes and ridiculous dancing. <laughs> I like this. I, I enjoy when a game comes up with a good way for players to communicate in-game. I mean, well... And I enjoy user bases that can support that instead of just, you know, being horrid hate mobs that mean you can't have nice things. But, like, the uh, messaging system in Dark Souls, mm-hmm. that that is just a lot of fun. A lot of playful trolling. Try jumping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's the kind of trolling I can get behind because it's sort of, like, you know, you, you're never going to make that mistake twice. <laughs> you're probably not going to make it once if you know anything about Dark Souls. <laughs> There's one part I can think of where you often find a try jumping uh, suggestion, and it doesn't look like it should be the way to proceed, but it is. <laughs> and that's just the best way, <laughs> is when it looks like trolling, but it's true. Yeah, true, they are occasionally <laughs> legit. <laughs> that just makes the trolling ones better. So what about you, Fox? What have you been playing? I haven't been playing 
anything. I have, I've been working on my game, so I have spent this week basically hiding in a box and occasionally popping up and going, hey, Twitter, I drew some boys, and then bye now. This is pretty much how I'm used to dealing with you most of the time. <laughs> hey! <laughs> I'm not usually that focused. I'm not usually this productive. It's true, focus and productivity. I am probably more than halfway done with the game right now, which is really happy since we're not quite halfway through the month. Yeah. But I have a Great. slightly extra deadline because I'm hoping to present it at Room 801, which is on the 27th and 28th. So kind of need to be slightly ahead of schedule, but yeah. it's good stuff. Also, you're done with the most time-consuming part of it? Uh, well, no, not for me. Uh, fair <laughs> for other people, art might be the most time-consuming part, but for me, that's the, the shit I can churn out at a million miles an hour. The yeah. writing is the bit that's going to trip me up. Um, yeah, well, you know, I've, I've have game jammed as an artist, so I'm used to just sort of, you know, let's, let's sit down and go blah, vomit art all over the table. That's, um, that's not how she does it, readers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't puke my art. She is meticulous and thorough. It takes a lot of time. I, I take a lot of time. <laughs> no, don't. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies. <laughs> Fine. Talon <laughs> wants to, to play the game as well. Fine, let's ask Talon. Talon, what have you been playing? Um, Sorry, would you like a less passive-aggressive intro? <laughs> I've been playing... Well, do I talk about my homework, or do I talk about the stuff I've been doing for fun? Because for homework, I've been playing Ian Bogost's Slow Year. Point of fact, it's not homework if you don't do it at home. If it's in your tutorial. It's classwork. And yeah. I've been playing at home. Well, I, my classwork has been playing Resistance and doing a Let's Play with my classmates, which is... Oh, dear. <laughs> Sweet. With a whole tutorial? Uh, just a tutorial of five. Ah, okay. So it's not quite, you know, Toot plays Pokemon. No, that would be amazing. I have to tell my friends that you're doing Let's Play, that your school is teaching Let's Plays. They will laugh at you so much. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. It is so strange. Because we're doing digital cultures, and one of the things we're going to do is, there's a one of the weeks on the schedule is looking into Let's Play a culture, and I'm sitting here going, if I wind up having to watch Bad Rats Let's Plays in class, I'm going to throw something. Because it's already sailed so close to my personal internet space. Like, you know... Oh, here's a screenshot of Christine Love. Yeah, I, I'm friends with her girlfriend. Um, yeah, and, and, and this is this is Lee Alexander, who's a really talented writer. Yeah, I know she's a really talented writer. I've been telling my friends to read her for quite some time now. <laughs> well, it's fucking excellent that your class is talking about these people. Yeah. The, again, the reading list for this semester includes Breathing Machine by Lee Alexander, um, Racing the Beam by Ian Bogost, and we did an extensive talk about Cow Clicker and the Shit Crayon. <laughs> that I'm not familiar with. Uh, the Shit Crayon is a term coined by Bogost regarding a tool that wants to be creative but fundamentally can't. Oh. Um, hmm. The example... Uh, uh, well, uh, the, the example that kicked it off were the Facebook creative games, which because of their monetization system didn't really allow people to be very creative or expressive. Oh, like yeah. you could make an ad for Instagram, but you couldn't make your personal artwork. And a the, the place I learned it was from Errant Signal's video on Disney Infinity 1.0, where they ah, gave you the tools yeah. to make levels, but you couldn't put in a win state, you couldn't put in... Uh, Basically, you couldn't make a game. You could just sort of place items in a pre-approved fashion. And you had to roulette, casino-style, the assets for that. Oh, yeah. Which meant it was entirely possible you could just not get what you wanted. 
I have to admit to being a little bit tempted by Disney Infinity now that it's apparently fun to play with. Disney Infinity 2.0 went on sale about a month ago, and I was telling people, well, get I, it for I a want kid. the physical figurines. Yeah. I, I don't want the digital. Like, yeah, I'm not against the use of digital only, but if I'm going to buy something like that, I want the goddamn toys. I like toys. Yeah, the Frozen toys are really good. <laughs> yeah, especially the Elsa, actually. <laughs> She's rad. Uh, Jet Grind, I think, uh, told me that uh, Disney Infinity 2.0 is definitely worth it. Yeah. I would, I would love to get Jet Grind on to talk about games, too. I'll probably get it once I get a Wii U. Because that's, you know, that I'm just guessing that's the platform I'd prefer it on, me being me. Mm. And, you know, that feels like where it ought to belong. So, the other game I've been playing, the game I've been playing for my personal enjoyment, um, aside from finishing up Police Quest and just being amazed <laughs> at what an utter piece of shit that mm-hmm. writer is, um, is XCOM The Bureau Declassified, which is surprising me. I really want to play that. This is not the one that is in the... Original XCOM style, right? Yeah, this is... Originally, Take-Two announced, we're going to make a new XCOM game, and it's going to be an over-the-shoulder cover-based shooter. Because what was really happening is, we have an over-the-shoulder cover-based shooter with a 1950s aesthetic. What can we do to make this sell better? <laughs> we got the XCOM license. Why don't we, why don't we label it the, uh, the XCOM brand? The yeah. internet did the internet's thing, revolted against it, and then they said, come to think of it, clearly there's a market for an XCOM-style <laughs> game, so we'll make an XCOM game. We know what good. So, so who can we talk to to work on an XCOM game? Yep. Uh, who knows strategy? Yep. Um, Sid, you busy? Yeah. I'm kind of glad that happened, because I really just resent the fuck out of slapping a recognizable brand on a thing that's not related to it. And, you know, making like it's always belonged. Yes, Sonic, we are talking about you. Anyway, XCOM The Bureau. I'm actually really interested to talk about that, because I saw some of your screenshots, and I thought they picked out a really cool aesthetic. I I enjoyed that they didn't just go with, you know, hey, let's have some more gritty realism. They actually seem to have made it look, you know, painted and slightly stylized. Yeah, it looks like... There's the term Z-Rust TV Tropes uses for futuristic designs meant to evoke what the past thought of the future. So alien ships are utterly impractical. The alien (laughs) tech doesn't look sensible. You have big-headed aliens wearing bright orange um, armor suits. (laughs) Your whole sort of retro space bubble kind of look. We're we're talking, you know, actual ray gun gothic? Yeah. Because that's the actual term. Oh, okay. Ray Ray gun gun gothic. Gothic. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Um... You have, and the... Basically, basically Buck Rogers stuff. That's Ray Gun Gothic. Yeah, you have, the human side of this are all running around looking like a Norman Rockwell painting. Like, the textures do look painted. And the aliens look Ray Gun Gothic. So it's a nice contrast. And there's, there's stuff in this that someone clearly cared about. Like, in the CIA department where you start, everyone is a white dude. There's a white lady, but otherwise everyone's a white dude. And everyone smokes in this classic, you know... You've yeah, seen the movies from the 1960s, and literally every single human being has a cigarette. But then you get to the new, the the Bureau, and, like, I think, I'm, I don't quote me on this, because I might be misreading this culturally, but your first contact there is a guy called Nicola Da Silva, who I think is either Latino or Italian, not sure which, and you're just walking through this area, and there are black people working at stations, and there are um, brown people working at stations, and there's an Asian person working at a station, and there's no comment on it. Like, your character's not like, well... That's a bit of a strange thing. It's just like, no, these, these people are doing their jobs. Let's not be a problem about it. What about women? Um, first, Sorry. you first deal with a woman who's been possessed by an alien and she tries to choke you to death, which is, 
you know, pretty cool. No, so there's no just sort of integration of them into the There's the no casual cast. integration of women, nah, into which, is, that's a which is one of those unfortunate things where they can say, it's realistic, but on the other hand, that doesn't change it yeah, from being shitty. they always say it's realistic. It's realistic. In it's still, right it's about aliens. aliens. <laughs> but... Um, the first major um, deuteragonist you have in the story is a is an Agent Weaver who you do break into the vault and find, oh yes, Agent Weaver's down here. Agent Weaver is a woman and she just shoots the evil alien general in the head. Hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. that's pretty okay as far as introductions go. But your character is still like, we're looking for Agent Weaver. She's like, that's me, the one who just shot the guy. Okay, yeah. so your character isn't <laughs> a casual racist, but he is a casual sexist. Kinda. Um, <laughs> he is your grandfather. He is your dad. Sad that I have to say that. <laughs> But in in terms of like feel, this game feels very much like a third person version of Bioshock. It's got the same run mechanics. It's got the same slightly chunky movement. Um, your character isn't much of a I bullet thought, sponge. It's cover based. I thought it was more of a tactical. It, shooter, yeah, like a tactical squad based, like a like a rogue squad or not rogue squad or not. Yeah, you are right. It is a tactical squad based game. And you have a tactical mode where you can press space bar, issue orders to everyone while it's in super slow motion, and then you can enact it. And it's all really cool. It, it, it does have that, mm. that clockmaker feel of, I've set up this kill spot, and bam, I win. And that works really, really well. It's really enjoyable. But in terms of how the player moves, you've got that slightly chunky, big box kind of character. Uh, cover is a little unreliable. Like, there's no take cover button. You just get near it. And that occasionally means you wind up, you know, pressing your nipples to a wall when you're trying to move around a corner. <laughs> like you do. I prefer that to take a cover button, because honest to God, there are so many times... I don't play a lot of shooters, you, you guys know this, but yeah. um, playing Mass Effect 3, the take cover button drives me fucking crazy, because... I'm assuming that's a, it's an engine thing, if it feels like Bioshock, because that was 2K Marine. Yeah, it was 2K Marine. Um, and, and, you know, this game, it's probably not going to sit on my list of best of all times. It's not that amazing, but there's clearly some good ideas. Someone cared about what went into it. And from what I understand, a lot of the people who worked on it were good people doing the best they could with really troubled development schedules. So there's good and there's bad. And honestly, as far as third-person tactical shooters where you can issue orders... It's easily, the mechanics of it are easily as good as, as um, Mass Effect's single player campaign. You've got a lot more physical control over where your allies go. Mass Effect 1's physical, uh, sorry, Mass Effect 1's single player campaign? Mass Effect 3's single player campaign. Okay. And I mean, you can set up like really well, elaborate I mean, timing things. Uh, I heard, I've always heard that the Bureau wasn't great about how it shoots. Good. Yeah, that's the other problem. The guns don't feel very good. Ellie, drop. Which is a phrase that I generally despise. Yeah. And now it's time for Worst at Their Job. A short discussion of which video game character should really be getting fired at their next review. So this is not... Does this include Sonic? Sonic doesn't have a job. Who hires him? Who pays him? Yeah, Sonic is a bomb. Yeah, Sonic is basically basically homeless. A super-powered vagrant. Yeah. Why would be so much more interesting if they played on that? I don't want them to play on I, anything <laughs> that makes in, anything that involves. They need to stop playing. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Okay, they they do need to just put Sonic down for a while and let it go. Or, you know, like they just need to put Sonic down, like behind the woodshed. But mm. as far as actually worst at their jobs, people who have technically got a job. All right. Hmm. I've got one. Well, Mario used to be a carpenter. Um. And after that, he's supposed to be a plumber, right? Has he ever plumbed anything? The Brooklyn Trade Union laws are pretty strict about that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you've been doing some work out of out of town in this uh, mushroom kingdom. 
I, uh, I don't see a union script for that place. <laughs> Look, we got some complaint. We got some. We got some complaints about your carpentry work. Somebody said something, but a monkey showed up. <laughs> We're gonna have to reassign you. You find out he works in the Mushroom Kingdom because it's a tax haven mainly. <laughs> That's why all the gold's everywhere. <laughs> and that explains why Princess Peach is like the only human ruling over a kingdom of mushrooms. Well, they, they have slave labor, right? That's what the toadstools are about. Ah! Is that? Am I reading the wrong thing from that? I don't. That, that sort of seems like what's going on there. What about you, Fox? You got any good suggestions for people who are bad at their jobs? Who has an actual job in games that I play? It's kind of hard to think of someone. Yeah, you don't play the employed people, you bum. <laughs> well, I I don't know. One of them's a god. Um... <laughs> Except she's doing her job by running around and barking at things. Oh, totally. <laughs> she's super great. Um, let me see. And then mostly there's a whole bunch of princes. <laughs> you know, what? what is your job when you're when you're royalty to go and reclaim your kingdom when it was taken away from you by the evil scheming vizier yeah that is the only reason young royalty exists in video games it's true what i'm saying is that for the most part the fire emblems are a very much pro employment message (laughs) you're gonna say pro monarchy which actually bothers me about them a little bit like i get they're supposed to have simple stories but you're a 15 year old kid who has had basically no training in the military throughout your entire life but you're going to win the war because you're right for that position. <laughs> you were born that way. Check this... your monarchistic privilege. <laughs> this absolutely is why the Ike games were the best out of the Fire Emblem series. Because Ike's a mercenary? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's been, like, learning to fight since he was this tall, and his dad is a famous mercenary, and his mentor is a famous mercenary. I really want for And the he's mercenary. not royalty, and he doesn't turn out to be royalty. I really want for the very last scene of the Ike story for Fire Emblem to be like, Ah, Ike, you've saved the kingdom and come up the steps and we'll give you a medal. And as he's shaking his hand with the king, Ike's like, you are paying me for this, right? That is kind of the... <laughs> they don't play it for a laugh, but that is kind of what happens. Though the, the last scene of, of Ike's story in Fire Emblem is him and Sorin in bed. Oh my. Because <laughs> I got the correct ending. <laughs> I can think of two examples of characters who are pretty bad at their jobs. All right, what do you got? How many of them are Nathan Drake? None of them are Nathan Drake. <laughs> oh, God, Lara Croft. She's <laughs> horrible at her job. <laughs> the kind of archaeologist who go, who dives through things with a pickaxe in her Kid, hand. Mostly breaks shit and kills endangered animals. That is basically her thing. And, you know, even in the new Tomb Raider, where they're not quite as blasé about that kind of stuff, she doesn't really, you know, Tomb Raid. She, she can either be good at being an archaeologist or good at being Tomb Raider, and now the twain shall meet. <laughs> Like, you know, I can't remember which one of them it was, but in one of the uh, early Tomb Raiders, there's this section where it's just learning to use the mechanics. So you, like, creep along a pathway, and there's a guy standing with his back to you, and the game tells you to shoot him in the back of the head. You do so, and then someone's ready to use into Lara's like, who was that guy? And she's like, I don't care. Like, Holy shit! <laughs> I do not remember that at all. Sounds kind of fun, though. Yeah, Lara Croft is pretty amazingly bad at her job. And, look, Faith. I love you, Faith. Oh, yeah. I love your game. I love so much about what you could have been and what you could have done. I respect your devotion to your family, and I understand you took some personal time after the first mission of the game. <laughs> but I think you calling yourself a runner and a courier when you literally <laughs> never deliver anything 
may possibly be overstating your uh, employment status a little. You feel like that bit just kind of dropped out of the plot somewhere in <laughs> development. It, you know, I imagined that it would come up again and, you know, it'd factor into some kind of conspiracy. You know, is, is the delivery a good thing or a bad thing? Do you have to think about the kind of things you're conveying or, or are you able to just defer that responsibility? No. Nope. <laughs> Faith is kind of bad at her job. I have another one, but what about you, Jeb? You got any follow-ups? Uh, how about Isaac Clark, the world's worst engineer? <laughs> <laughs> oh! Because Isaac Clark, Isaac Clark only knows one way to engineer. He only knows one <laughs> way to repair things. That is the way of pain. Isn't that, um, you know, this is based on the understanding of engineers by non-engineers across the world, which is they go in and hit it with a wrench? <laughs> he doesn't even no, have a wrench. Well, hey, we have a wrench. Isaac's case. In Isaac's case, it's use his mighty boot. There are multiple points where you just walk up to the thing and it says, here, you stomp. <laughs> Isaac Clark is an expert in progressive maintenance. Bear in mind, Isaac Clark has a time travel device, which lets him <laughs> slow the movement of an object in time, which at least once he uses so he can reach inside something and stomp on it. They, do they ever use, that, like, you know, the, the nature of the guy who only knows how to perform violence even when he's supposed to be doing technical things? Any, any comment on that? No. No? No. Um, That's a shame. There's... It's supposed to be, it's supposed to be the, 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 the engineer who only knows how to engineer Forrest into being the guy who has to do the violence, but it comes across as being the guy who likes stone. <laughs> That's really a lot more like Gordon Fro Oh, hey, there's someone who's fucking bad at his day job. <laughs> what was the last time you saw Gordon Freeman, like, do a sum or, you know, write a research paper? What the, the fuck is he doing? The entire... The entire plot of Half-Life started off by Gordon Freeman doing a science. Doing a science. I'd like to remind you that Gordon Freeman is technically a theoretical physicist, which means that <laughs> for him, doing a science is sitting in front of a whiteboard, holding his chin, and going, hmm. That's exactly what I'm saying, Talon, because when was the last time you saw him do that? Now he just does a shooting. At a crowbar. Well, to be fair, I think you could... Just that you could qualify, you know, put this rock into this hole as being pretty theoretical physics. I, I think the kind of physics puzzles in Half-Life would be, at, you know, first-year physics at best. Well, there there is that speedrunner. Oh, no, no, I mean, I mean the, the actual start of the whole thing is he put a rock into a yeah, thing. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> okay, so we saw him do science one time. One time! He did a science. How many times have we seen him club something to death with a crowbar? Well... There's also the fact that speedrunners do kind of get theoretical physics-y on things. <laughs> like, if I can get fast enough, I can escape the boundaries of reality and forever. <laughs> Exploiting engine weaknesses is not theoretical physics. Well, uh, there's a... There's... Unless the engine is the universe, in which case, yeah, that's probably a pretty good description. You, there's a section in episode two where there's a, I think, a six-minute long siege, and speedrunners hate this bit. <laughs> because you've got to sit there killing off things that are coming for you, while they resuscitate Alex. And it used to be just, that's it. You can't, you can't <laughs> oh, possibly Oh, right, get... but like if you pull the cartridge up slightly at the corner, then you can push past the guy at the entrance to the fairy village and, and you can go off before you even get the fairy ocarina. It's kind of that style of thing, except it actually happens in game where you can, there's a, there's a, a sl uh, sorry, a pallet, which it's just meant there to be a physics object you can smash. There's yeah, a yeah. pallet, you can position it so it's sitting at a, an almost a 90 degree angle, like 89 degree angle. And then you go to the very end of the mine shaft. You plant two landmines. You stand on them. You get shot up that same hallway. You hit that pallet. You go woof, up into the air. And you arc <laughs> all the way to the exit. God. 
It's like, this is physics, motherfucker. <laughs> and, they're, and they're like, this is really, like, it's really hard to do. You're going to have to try this a lot. It's like, yeah, but it's like seven seconds to try it. <laughs> and it's like six minutes to not. <laughs> okay, so while we're talking about bearded, high-tech weirdos. Who are bad at their jobs? Adam Jensen. Is he beardy? He's got a beard, yeah. Huh. Adam Jensen in Deus Ex Human Revolution. Wait. His job is security consultant for the Sarif Foundation. <laughs> mm-hmm. What exactly in your job involves breaking into a Hong Kong stranger's bedroom and reading their email to see if they've got a spam? I would submit that he might not actually be bad at it so much as security consultant is probably a euphemism. In the same way that, like, IT consultant means they used our service to download some movies. <laughs> well, with um, with Jensen, if, in the first mission, if you do your job as a security consultant badly, you get balled out for it. So they clearly have some parameters of what makes you a security consultant. But after that point, they don't care. <laughs> they don't care at all. Ah. So what are you doing at work today, Adam? Well, I'm going to pop down to that uh, local gas station walk around the back, and I'm going to talk to the Hispanic immigrant who's going to sell me multiple sawn-off shotguns, which I'm then going to use to blow the faces off gangsters in a different part of town. What does this have to do with Sarif security? Well, I'll get more XP for it. It'll make me better at my job. Security consultant. It's out of of job training. (laughs) He consulted with someone. It's true. (laughs) Yes, and I am an artistic consultant, by which I mean I draw cartoon porn. <laughs> but I do ask people if they like it. Mm, so this consultancy. Yeah. All right then. I think we definitely found some people in the organizations that can afford to be let go. <laughs> we'll contact the human it? resources department and they'll uh, address these Mario <laughs> Faith. And now it's time for retro gaming news. All the news that's fit to print for the second week of March 2014. Brought to you by Ishimura Realtors. Dead space for rent. So. Doldrum's over. We are now into the part of the year where people have been releasing games and trying to get them out there. We have a bit of a weird coincidence in that we had a really busy day this week last year. But there are at least two games from outside the schedule which definitely deserve to be mentioned. So, first game is a Android and iOS game. <laughs> it was almost immediately copied. Flappy Bird? No. Threes? Yep. This is a... Ah. It's threes. I... Yeah, I mean, what, what am I going to do? That, <laughs> that's pretty much what <laughs> you can it. talk about with threes. I haven't played the original version, but I have played the Doge version. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a form of um, passive aggression that Caitlin Gad, the Caitlin Cad, was telling me about, where you sit there on the bus, conspicuously playing threes, glaring at the people next to you playing 2048. <laughs> <laughs> Actually... You know what, Threes is, is interesting to me because I feel like it should be basically something you do as a programming exercise in your early years of uni. Yeah. Because, the, you know, it's a really simple idea behind it, and I think that would be a great way to test your basic programming skills. Mm-hmm. Eh, just a thought. Maybe they actually do it. It's been a while since I was in the first year of my degree now. All right. So, also in the second week of March 2014, it's JRPG. It's on the PS3. It's a franchise Just game. the PS3? Just the PS3. Is it one of the Ateliers? It is one of the Ateliers. Ah. Uh, what was it, 2014? Yep. Would that be Esker and Logi? That is indeed yeah. Esker and Logi. I thought that would be about right. All right, then. That's a pretty good game. And now, these four games all came out on the same day. And they're huh. not even by the same company. They don't even share a console. It's just a coincidence <laughs> that they all launched the same day. 
Okay. <clears throat> Does that mean they're all different consoles? Um, I imagine some of them are multi-platform. Yeah, some of them are multi-platform, yeah, but for fine. the most part, yeah, the ones that are console exclusive are one console. All right. So, so the ones that are console exclusive are console exclusive. Well, they're... Yeah. That's yeah, nice for those days. Coach. You, you got me. You got me. God damn it. Oh, it's all right. We love you. <laughs> all right. So, it's a sequel. It could never live up to the game it followed. It... Bioshock Infinite? Ooh. Not Dark Souls 2. Dark Souls 2. Wow, that's that old already? Damn. Dark Souls 2 came out in March last year. And it's coming out in April this year. Yeah. <laughs> What's this? Different console release? Uh, an updated version for next-gen consoles with the ah. DLC and uh, gameplay adjustments. <sighs> They're just trying to copy Two Worlds 2's Epic Edition. <laughs> Right. Everyone wants to be two worlds too. Well, I say they say gameplay editions. Apparently, they mean that uh, a, a weak point of Dark Souls gameplay is uh, when you have to fight a bunch of dudes at once. Yeah. So for the, I think they call it sins of the scholars or something like that. For the for the for the essentially the next gen re release, they're adding more dudes to fight <laughs> in locations because I don't know. Wait, what, you how, what? It's not very they're good at handling more, mass they're... combat, so they're putting more enemies in? <laughs> yes. <sighs> is it... Yeah, this is going to be because that makes it harder and more punishing, right? Because that's what you liked about Dark Souls, right? It hates you. <laughs> <sighs> I also heard that they're going to actually actually try and implement the, the whole torch lighting thing that, uh, oh, that I forgot about. That would be nice. In the first release. Was that... Uh, that explains a lot, because we... Like, I, I didn't play that. I, finger quotes, played it with my cousin, which means I was hanging around when he started playing it. And, you know, we did the whole torch lighting bits at the beginning. We were like, this has got to mean something. This has got to be useful for something. And it just... And it didn't. No, nothing ever happens. I, I assume that... I, what I understand is that they're actually making it so that will do things in other places so that you can't just turn up the brightness on your display when it's dark. <laughs> well, that would be good. All right, then. Next game. It isn't really a sequel, but it definitely follows on from another game, and that game followed on from another game. Like a spiritual successor Destiny? kind of thing, or? It is a sort of spiritual successor, yeah. Um, like Destiny was later. Destiny's, Destiny's much later than that. Um, it's a Blizzard game. Hearthstone? Yep. Oh, that, that is kind of like a sequel, not really. Yeah. I um, never would have gotten that. Hearthstone is the spiritual child of the WoW TCG. All right, we have two different games. They start the same, they end the same. They are very, very different. But at the same time, inside, in their spirit, they may be the same. Mm-hmm. All right, so we'll start with a smaller... Pokemon Aorus? What was that? Pokemon Aorus? No, no. <laughs> uh, they are both PvP games, all right? Oh, uh, wait, no. That's They must be way older than what I'm thinking. Okay, so we'll start with the indie one, the smaller of the two games, which includes, amongst other things, a boy wearing pink and a mischievous ghost. Is this... Oh, what's it friggin' called? It is a fast, frantic, low hit point PvP experience. Dive kick? Oh, no. It's a game with multiple players at a time. Is it like a... You know, battlefield Smash Brothers y kind of thing. That's a good comparison. 2D yeah. sprite art. Yeah. Is is one of the characters a prince? Yeah. 
I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> it's really cute. You got a chance on this, Gemma, or I'm going to have to give the name away? Uh, give me a hint. It ends with the word fall. Wait, Hammerfall? Towerfall. Towerfall, okay. Cause is that what Towerfall is? Towerfall Ascension, yeah. Towerfall Ascension is a really... There's no way I would have remembered that name. Bright, sprighty <laughs> What's PvP with the name? Game. That's the wrong name for that well, game. No, but, Give it a better name. Well, that's See, that's that's the thing. All I've ever heard when people tell me you should play Towerfall is that, well, it's called Towerfall. Nobody's ever told me what the fuck the game is about. Okay, so the reason it's called Towerfall is because you are, broadly speaking, falling down levels of a very tall tower. Yeah, but, you know, it sounds all bleak and overwhelming. And Well, to be fair, you That's are why to I kill was your never friends. interested in it. <laughs> yeah, but why with a sense of fun. Even though all I've ever heard is, all I've ever heard is, play Towerfall. Yeah, it... What is it? It, um... <laughs> it, it, it has the sort of same pace as Nidhogg, but it's four players, so there's a lot less of a skill gap. There's a lot more chance for randomness and ganging up on things. The last game that came out on the same day as Towerfall was on the X-Bone and PC. It was a PvP game. It is renowned in technical circles for having a ridiculous download. Oh, uh, uh, Titanfall. Uh, yes! Yes! Ah, uh, they're both Titanfalls! Yeah. Holy crap! Same day, too. Steam is holding a Ubisoft sale, and they are iconically selling so many of their iconically iconic games that I thought it might be a quick chance for us to do a rundown and talk about things that they've done that may not be as iconic, but may actually be good. Quite frankly, we've we've been, with the sunshine policy in place, we've been just a little bit mm, hateless lately. <laughs> I think it's perfectly reasonable for us to sit around and talk about Ubisoft games that we think are crap. Hold on, let me pour myself a glass of vitriol. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Talon, I'm not sure if Ubisoft makes many games to cater to my interests. I was hoping maybe I'd get to play an open world, uh, you know, free roaming adventure game with emergent dynamics and mechanics that might be a little bit weak, but at least they're understandable and approachable, and where I could really get into playing that one stubbly white guy. I have a question. What do you t- think about climbing towers? <laughs> oh, I like climbing towers. Do they do any of that? <laughs> Just grabbing the list of games they put on sale. They put uh, start, uh, start South Park, The Stick of Truth, which, if you can tolerate South Park, I understand is a very South Park, South Park product. <laughs> I'm told it's actually quite a good game, though. I assume you have to still have some space in your life for South Park. I loved it when I was 17. Yeah. There's a character class called Jew. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you're definitely going to have to like South Park. That sure is a lot of South Park. They're also selling this watch underscore doge game, which I Never assume heard of is about taking care of an adorable Shiba Inu. Oh, it's another one uh, where you match please, the tiles please, to make different Shibs? Please, please don't mislead the people they might accidentally buy watch underscore dogs yeah um, Ooh, you would watch not want to have dogs. that on your hands watch underscore dogs is ubisoft game yeah it is the ubisoftiest game of the ubisoft games <laughs> assassin's creed looks at watch underscore dogs and thinks whoa ubisoft hear, the fuck out i hear it is an exciting open world action game with emergent gameplay that the mechanics may not be as deep as you had hoped and gosh, you will really enjoy playing that one stubbly white guy. If you really want to get the prop, the best possible gameplay experience you can out of Watch Dogs, go to Twitter, find the user Doc 
underscore destructo <laughs> and tweeted him, I would like to know what you think about Watch Dogs. I did actually see one interesting thing go on when I was watching someone else play Watch Dogs Score Dogs, and that's why I was watching uh, Mike Bethel, the developer of oh, yes. Volume and Thomas Was Alone. He was streaming Watch Underscore Dogs from his PS4, and while he was playing, one of the Watch Underscore Dog mechanics is uh, that other players can mess with the signage and influence your game. Most people will use this to put memes on signs, like, oh, all your base are, yeah, fuck off. They draw dicks. But it's... <laughs> picture of a cock, picture of a cock! <laughs> with, with Bithel, what they did was they started using references to Thomas Was Alone. Yeah. Nice. And that was really cool. That would be very cool. I've but in order to get that experience, you have to be Mike Bithel. I've mentioned in the past that <laughs> video games like Watch Dogs tend to fail because they don't have soul. And in that moment, when someone was able to very directly connect to oh, Mike, they yes. gave that game soul. That's now, most of the time, really a game wants to, it wants to connect to you by saying, here is what we're starting with, and we're going to build within that, and going to build a connection to you, the player. Watch Dogs didn't do that. So someone had to reach outside the game to do it for him, which is a shame. Watchdog said, hey, look at this cool guy. He does the things that Ubisoft characters do, only more. And shooting. Into the sort of bad but has forgivable elements, uh, Assassin's Creed. Which one? Well, the whole franchise. <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> yeah, because like, for example, Assassin's Creed 3, uh, I know native... Uh, publications write about how it's a good representation of Native American culture. It, it handles it respectfully. I did think until that Liberation get, uh, was... Until you get to the DLC. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. I did think that Liberation was yep. really cool. Like, that was by far the most interesting iteration of the mechanics that they did. And, and you know, they actually moved to comment on the social situation they were dealing with in gameplay terms, and that's really cool. I didn't expect it from them. The joke I made was that Assassin's Creed Liberation is the least bad Assassin's Creed game. <laughs> I just want everyone to take a moment and remember how goddamn excited we all were when the first Assassin's Creed came out, and we were like, oh god, it's not a sequel to anything, it's, yeah. it's not a tie-in, it's not a franchise, holy cow! And now it is like the definitive <laughs> sequel farm <laughs> joke. And, and you know, the, the spiritual... The, it is basically the conceptual platform for, like, every fucking Ubisoft thing they put out now. Assassin's Creed is gaming's Steven Seagal. At least it's not that bad. Splinter Cell games are included in this franchise? So, sorry, in this uh, sale? I hear oh. mostly good things about them. Um, Splinter Cell's pretty ridiculous. Like, unlimited ammunition for handguns is, just brings to mind... <laughs> It depends whether you're going for gritty spy action or action movie spy action, and both of those are fun. Mm. Well, the, the Splinter Cell games I've played and liked have been pretty uh, action movie spy action. Yeah, yeah so yeah, I mean, yeah, hanging cool. upside down. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if there's something called Splinter Cell that is a stealth game and you can't hang upside down, I would consider that a conceptual failure on the most fundamental level. Um, if you're interested in analysis of mechanics over time, Splinter Cell is where. We kind of got the template for modern day dishonored style stealth. It's not quite the same, but that same vector of visual information. Hmm. The kind of stealth game that is actually uh, the kind of stealth game that is designed based on 
like actually staying out of sight, staying out of audio range, rather than you know having areas or events where you can press a button to trigger. I'm stealthed or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's part of it. Though I believe the the later ones go more towards the well, like the the mark and execute system that I started at the in conviction. Yeah. All right. Which is oh. just tag. Look at this person. Look at this person. Look at this person. Look at look at all the individual people in the room. <laughs> press a button and stealth kill them all. That's that's quite different. I am like I'm genuinely asking this as a question because stealth games are something that I don't have a lot of familiarity with. I've, I've played a couple, but not the the same kind that most people have played. Oh, and here, here's a point for anyone who has played a Splinter Cell game, raw comedy. Sam Fisher is meant to be five foot four. <laughs> that's marginally taller than me. <laughs> if you've never seen the man in game, he clearly lives in a world of dwarves. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think does, that sounds nice. <laughs> he does have some outstanding one-liners in the early games. Uh, so, one of the first uh, first people that you sneak up on to get information from, uh, he puts him in a puts him in a cho- chokehold, starts interrogating him, says, "What's?" Uh, he, he asks, "What do you know?" It's like, I know this, the hostage is panicking, or the hostage, the, the, the person that he's interrogating is panicking. <laughs> I, I know nothing. I'm willing to bet your neck you do. <laughs> he's also one of the first, uh, first gaming dads. Alright, uh, there's also Heroes of Might and Magic 6 and 7 and, and a whole seven. bunch of DLC. They're all going the, fairly cheap. Aren't those the ones that just kind of got churned out? Yeah. I haven't played Homs since, like, too, so. Did we really need seven Might and Magic games? No, no, no. That's the Heroes we're up to, of Might we're and Magic. We're up to ten Might and Magic games, I think. Exactly, mm. yeah. There's Might and Magic 10, and there's Heroes of Might and Magic 7, which has a DLC expansion. Though however, the cute pseudo-anime one on the DS is kind of fun. <laughs> there's Anno 2070 and all of its DLC, which I will leave to people who know the Anno 2070 franchise better than I do. Yeah, no kidding. I never heard of that. I think I own one of them, but I've never heard <clears> of <throat> Yeah, there's all the trials and uh, racing related stuff where I'm gonna trials the the standing. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> trials going... wonderful! It's it's a game about dirt biking and doing backflips while things oh. explode in the track. <laughs> there, there's just explosions in there just because that makes <laughs> it's just it more explosions Because it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, I'm into that. You can have that. It's, for it's a trick. It's a trick. It's a trick. It's it's based on doing tricks and getting through the course in the amount of time and the courses are designed for like you you ramp off of a you do a jump off a ramp and then you kind of bounce off the wall and spin around in the air and go backwards up another ramp wait as you would this is this is the one that shows you that lets you ghost uh your friends isn't it Where yes your oh my goodness i've heard amazing stories about <laughs> that's this that's a good idea yeah because... trials games are wonderful because not only do you ghost your friend but your friend, when you beat their t- when they finally beat your time, they it sends your friend a statistic of how many times <laughs> you tried. <laughs> so you're like you, you down at the pub. Hey, you're like, hey, stuff. Dave, beat your time on trials. And he goes, yeah, I know. You took four hours to do it, didn't you? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it's a salt That's mining factory. Um, I believe the most recent one, at least, has a level editor too. Mm-hmm. And nice. Trials Fusion is part of one of the bundles they have here, which, annoyingly, it's a really good bundle of pretty good games. 
it's 15 bucks, and you get Child of Light, Valiant Hearts, Ooh. and Trials Fusion. Oh. Mm. Oh. That's a really good bundle. Well, look, Child of yeah. Light by itself is probably worth that. Child of Light is right now on sale for five bucks. And Valiant Hearts is on sale for five, for eight dollars. So that, that's <laughs> definitely something worth keeping an eye out for people. Am I remembering Valiant Hearts correctly? It's the wartime setting one that sort of violently switches between sort of pseudo-comedy over-the-top war movie and a really fucking serious story about two brothers from opposite sides. It's the one with the dog. There's a dog? Yeah. There's a major plot around the dog watching all of the humans it cares about die. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that Valiant Hearts is very, uh, very, very sad and heavy. It's... And it, definitely yeah. worth playing. Yeah, it's got, a, it's got a really sad story arc, and it has a kind of an Indiana Jones punch the guy with a skull on his hat arc. Yeah. And it intercuts them, and for some people that was jarring, and I can't help but imagine that for, for a certain type of player, the Indiana Jones arc is how they keep them coming back <laughs> to experience the rest of it. If it was done well, it could be really effective. Like, that, then that becomes almost a comedy side to it of, like, you know, this is... It's more tragic because it can be seen this way and people don't get that that's stupid. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know if it is done well or not. Maybe people should pick it up and find out. Then there's Child of Light. Prozior option. Which is $5 on its own. Honestly, it's worth it for the soundtrack. <laughs> it's worth it if you like Japanese-style role-playing games. Yeah. Even though it's a 2D side-scroller. Um, <laughs> in fact, if you're one of those people who complains about JRPGs being too easy... Play Child of Light on hard mode. <laughs> now it's more platformy or more adventure-y? It's, it's adventure-y. Yeah. Uh, early on, you get the ability to fly. The platforming is irrelevant. Ah, nice. Yeah, but it's it's an unabashedly girly story. Mm, and a female main character, I last check. Yeah, and, and by the when I mean girly, I don't mean, you know, trappings of girlish. It's about a little girl. She's <laughs> ten. Yeah, yeah. And um, all the dialogue rhymes. Not all the dialogue. There is one character who's uh, who is unable who is unable to speak in rhyme, and it uh, bothers the hell out of your your uh, your expedition fairy sidekick. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, Child of Light's really beautiful. Again, it was made by Ubisoft. It's it's their it's, deep... the, it's the Ubi art thing. I there's they have this this I guess it's a shading engine or something or an animation engine. That they use for for Child of Light, and they use for Rayman. Ah, and I wish that the you know the the mortal public public could get their hand on this. <laughs> mm, yeah, well, good. Rayman does look lovely. Like you know, you know how I feel about the character designs, but the the aesthetic production of the art is very beautiful. This is, Child of Child Child of Light uses that same uh, is also using the the Ubi art package, but. It's also much more muted and somber. It's not the bright, dynamic colors and the, the striking contrast that you have in Rayman. It's very, very somber. Mm, I have seen, I have seen much of it in stills form, and whew, mm -hmm. yeah, it looks amazing. It looks better in motion, <laughs> and it sounds beautiful. The soundtrack for Child of Light is gorgeous. On the note of soundtracks. And on the note of that particular animation engine. <laughs> yes, what if I want someone who still looks good, but doesn't have a neck? <laughs> well, we have other Ubisoft games. No. Um, <laughs> Rayman Legends. It's also on sale. $6. And it's the one where you can play a red-headed angry barbarian girl with an axe 
as she does Mariachi <laughs> Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> While she storms a castle, running from a dragon to Black Betty. It sounds so good. <laughs> I wish they did full versions of those tracks. I would buy that soundtrack. <laughs> I was just sort of, mm, about that at first, but I was not ready for the minions to be doing the vocal line. <laughs> <laughs> that yes. cracked me up. <laughs> they just pop out, they pop up in the foreground. <laughs> Beautiful stuff. That was that was very good. I that's not uh the musical stages aren't all of the game though, are they? They're no. like special stages. They're, they're special. There's well, they're the the final stage you do in every world. And there's I think eight of them. Alright, yeah. everybody needs to to mount an email campaign to Ubisoft and say give us give us a game that is entirely that mechanic. There's another pair of games that are in a bundle that deserve a whole bunch of mention. Because they have Call of Juarez, Gunslinger, and Ooh. Far Cry 3, Blood Dragon. Oh. Blood Dragon is 80s as fuck. <laughs> so, two very entertaining sort of spin-offs of franchises that are not worthy of them, really. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> nice. However I want to cut it, however I want to justify it or forgive it, or however much leeway I want to give Far Cry 3, it has some big problems with race and gender. It sure does. Blood Dragon doesn't have those problems with race. <laughs> it has a couple of problems with gender, but fewer than I was expecting. <laughs> it uh, it has the problems with gender that you expect from an 80s action movie, but not nearly as badly executed as they could be. Yeah, and it, an 80s action movie would usually be worse on gender than, than Blood yeah, Dragon. Yeah, probably. Um, Blood Dragon also does something... By dint of making all of the monsters, all the animals, suddenly glowing neon, I don't feel as bad hunting endangered <laughs> species, because it's not... Yeah. yeah Especially not... when you're punching a dragon. Yeah, exactly! You're punching a dragon! Yeah, by the way, that's the main thing that kept me from ever wanting to play Far Cry. I just... I don't... I hate games that make you hunt things, especially endangered things, to, like, pull bits off of them and make yourself a new purse. Yeah, it's a, it's a gorgeous game. It's got a multiplayer campaign. I've never asked to play it with you because I don't want to run around stabbing dingoes. Yeah. I understand it has really exciting emergent gameplay and it's generally very fun to experience as a game. Perhaps play Far Cry 2 instead. The other in the game in that bundle is Far is Call of Juarez, Gunslinger. Now I don't know who here played Call of Juarez the Cartel. <laughs> nobody nobody in their right mind played Call of Juarez. Let's the hope cartel. not. Call of Juarez the Cartel was a bad game. A very, very bad game. It featured things like an achievement for killing underage black kids. It featured uh, a scene of your protagonist, your character, you, choking a stripper for information. It just an awful, awful, bad, terrible game with no real sense of... It was a Battlefield hardline of its day. And the game that came after it is Gunslinger, which amazingly rules... <laughs> well, that gives that gives uh, that gives Call of Juarez a, a, a three out of four for good games. That gives three out of four, or two out of three for Call of, for good Call of Juarez games. That's true. It's true um, because they started off as Western gunslinger games. Yeah, I don't know how that shift happened. Yeah, I think it was an attempt to play follow the leader with the with the industry at large going into hyper realistic Grand Theft Auto style style yeah. games, and they like did it so badly. Those. And apparently someone, I have to assume what happened is some bright spark in the writing department with Gunslinger said, hey, 
I've got an idea. This franchise is probably going to get taken to the woodshed anyway. <laughs> Can I possibly go for a Hail Mary pass? And what came out of it is, it's it's like Spec Ops The Line. It has so little to do with the previous games in its franchise, but because of its name and because of its visual themes, you go in expecting a type of game. And then it just veers off so wildly. It's just where Spec Ops The Line went for... Apocalypse Now. Yeah, it went for yeah, it went for Apocalypse Now. I mean, I mean, seriously, it went for Apocalypse Now. I mean, the, the yeah, the, it, the it, villain's name was Conrad. Yeah. Um. Whereas Gunslinger is almost like I want to say almost like a spaghetti western, not <laughs> not com- not pure comedy, but the framing device is done to be funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're retelling the games. It's like a sense of time kind of deal, right? You are this, the very first part of the game is you get on a train. And then you sit in the train and tell the people there your story about what an incredible badass you are. Yeah, yeah. And, like, if you fuck up something, it's like, ah, that didn't happen. No, no. <laughs> where did you, and, and people will interject while you're doing the fighting. And there's a moment where you're moving towards an ammo cache, which has got dynamite sitting on top of it. And you've been fighting mm-hmm. to a level where dynamite will solve all your problems. <laughs> and as you get closer to it, someone in the, uh, another voice in the carriage goes... Why would Dynamite be even sitting there unattended? That doesn't make no sense. And the cache disappears in front of you. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> that is clever. And it does this all the way through it. And the only consistently heroic force you will ever encounter in the game, like the only good guys, are Native Americans who are spending their time <laughs> telling white people to go away. Awesome. <laughs> I would not have expected that after the cartel. That's another thing I want to see in more games. The whole storytelling device and playing with the unreliable narrator. Yeah. Because you can use that for, okay, just about any genre, style, emotional response you want to evoke. You can use that for it. Like, it works really well for horror games. It works really fucking well for comedy games. It works surprisingly well for adventure games. Um, you, know game ho- re- you know what game it worked really well in? What's that then? Viva Pinata. What? Viva Pinata does that? Viva Pinata goes for the unreliable narrator route. Viva Pinata has a story? We're just gonna oh. pull up a chair, we're gonna sit up, sit by the fire, and we're gonna, you're gonna have to explain this one to this chair. <laughs> what the hell? Well, you see, Viva Pinata is uh, set on an island which is inhabited by living pinatas. And for the longest time, <laughs> they lived in peace and harmony with one another until, uh, I don't remember all the names, unfortunately. <laughs> But uh, one of the, the evil corporations came in, and uh, when a piñata gets enough, full of enough candy, it is sent via cannon <laughs> to the waiting children of the world <laughs> so that they can have their candy, and the, the piñata is reborn on the island. But a doctor came to the island to corrupt the candy and corrupt the piñatas for his own nefarious deeds. Now, overwatching the piñatas on Piñata Island, was a, a family. It was a, it was a family of benevolent, you know, caring <laughs> people who made sure that everything was in balance. The game takes place after this family has mostly disappeared, looking for more legendary piñatas. Legendary piñatas. Legendary piñatas. <laughs> Your tutorial lady knows what happened to her father when she went when he went off to find other piñatas <laughs> and she doesn't want the same thing to happen to you so she lies to you in your tutorial 
I love video games so <laughs> this fucking is wonderful. much. Viva <laughs> Pinata is amazing. <laughs> Tell me there's a connect version of this game. No! Oh, damn! <laughs> well, that is a sequel that needs to happen. I have ever, I have been, I have been vocally very, very, uh, I have been very vocal in wanting an Xbox One Viva Pinata game so badly. Damn, stop <laughs> making Call of Modern Whatever Duty Juarez's and make another Viva Pinata game. So that's all from this week's downloadable concept podcast. That's been Jeb. That's been Talon. And that's been Fox. Tune in next week when I haven't come up with an outro. I've been working my ass off. (laughs) That's all you get. Go away now. (laughs) Beautiful. Save the poor white men from the (laughs) cultural appropriation. (laughs)